Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Work-Wife Wine Time podcast the podcast for Australian women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women sharing the same business journey. It's Makala here with you today, and I'm so excited to connect you with my special guest, Tracy Groombridge. And I've asked Tracy on the podcast today because not only does she have her own business, but she also facilitated a mental health first aid course that I did I think it was the start of last year. It's all a bit of a blur these COVID years, Um, which was just amazing. And Tracy is such a wealth of information in this area. And so I wanted to bring her on the show to have a bit of a chat about, um, well, really mental health and self-care for business women and what we need to look out for, um, things that we can do to strengthen it. Because, you know, it, it has been a difficult few years and now we're also in the winter months, so that can alter our mood and everything. And Tracy and I both live in Tasmania, so, you know, we have extra things um, affecting our mental health uh, with the lack of sunlight and everything. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. That is my absolute pleasure. So Tracy, can you tell us a bit more about what you do in both of your roles in your business and um, as a mental health first aid facilitator? Sure. Um, so I do wear two hats at the moment. So I run retreats for women in Hobart, uh, in Tasmania, I should say. Um, and the, last year we ran a retreat around leadership. And this year it's going to be around growth and development. So we go away for a weekend. We have a great bunch of women who help me out and they they do a program while they're there, but they also get some time to do, you know, this year we've got a masseuse in, um, you know, good food, laughter, fun, games, um, just a really good weekend basically with good women. So that's what I do and that's my passion project, if you like. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also work for Lifeline Tasmania and I run different types of mental health training. So you mentioned one of them was mental health first aid, but I also run trauma-informed practice. Mm -hmm. I'm currently running a bunch of DV um, alert, so domestic violence alert um, trainings. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also run things like stress and resilience training. And, you know, we go into companies like Friday, I'm going in and we're doing um, mentally healthy workplaces for a bunch of executives and and managers about how they can start to develop a thriving workplace and look at what that means. So that's kind of what I do. Anything under the umbrella of mental health, really, which is broad. (laughs) Fantastic. And what, what brought you into this field? Uh, I think I fell into it. Um, So I started a long time ago as a youth worker about 30 years ago uh, in Hobart. Um, No, I started in family violence, actually, at at a family violence centre. 
Um, and I kind of fell into this mental health space. Mm-hmm. And it, well, I fell into it at a time where it wasn't popular and it certainly there was no podcasts about it. Uh, in fact, people wouldn't even mention the word mental health. So I've seen it kind of evolve for the last 25 years. And um, I think probably when I look at my own personal history, um, I probably think it was the perfect fit for me now. And it's uh, probably, t- it definitely has taught me more than I've taught it, <laughs> if you like. So, yeah. So I think, how did I get into it? I, I mean, I already had qualifications in youth work and community service and things like that. So it was kind of, that's where I was going. But the mental health space, I think um, it was always a passion. So I kind of unconsciously led myself there, I think. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It was also scary. So I half wanted to be in it and I half didn't. Well, at the time when I went into it, it really was, the stigma was big around mental health and mental illness. Yeah. And also I felt like I already knew that probably um, somewhere in my unconscious mind that I was struggling with anxiety myself. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't talked about that because you just didn't in those days. So, yeah, so I think... Part of me was really, really curious and and part of me was a bit scared to go into that space. You bit the bullet and you jumped and you did it and you haven't looked back. No, no, and it has, it's probably been a big passion for me over the last 10 years in particular because I can see traction happening. Mm -hmm. So I can see, um, you know, it's on the agenda now, um, in the national agenda, and it's on podcasts. And it's, we're talking, like I have a 23-year-old son and a 16-year-old son, and they talk about mental health like I would talk about having a cold. Mm. So you can see in a generation it's actually opened up hugely compared to what it used to be. Yes, I would have to agree with that. I've even noticed that with my teenage kids, like they've come home from school after they've done education sessions on you know mental health and what to look for in their friends and yeah yeah absolutely never had anything like that we're at school no so it's 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 kind of hit its straps if you like and we're starting to make some traction in that area which is really good that's fantastic and so tell me how long have you sort of been had your own business as well uh well I had a business some years ago called Parents Wisdom where I ran workshops for parents. But I was trying to juggle little kids, uh, home, uh, a whole bunch of other things, building home, all sorts of things at the time. And it and it taught me a lot of lessons, but it folded because I just didn't have the capacity. Yeah. And then I was really nervous about starting another business because I was like, oh, I failed that business. You know, what if, what if I fail again? Uh, and, uh, but I, I decided... Um, you know, a long time ago. Well, I decided some time ago, probably when I hit my 40s, because a lot of people died early in my family and hitting 40 Mm -hmm. was a really big moment for me. I was kind of like, I made it. (laughs) And and I decided from when I hit my 40s that life was too short, you know, and it seems to happen when you hit your 40s, you realise, oh, crap. There's not much time left. Yep. And I decided then that, well, you know, I'm just going to give it a go. That's the main thing. So about five years ago, I think I started 
to develop it and work with a business coach, which I love um, coaches because they keep me on track and they're really, really valuable, I find. Um, yeah, I did that. And then we slowly started to work it up to what's called McLeod Nine Mentoring, which is my maiden name and my dad's name. And um, yeah, I do a bit of mentoring and I do the retreats. So um, I'd like to invest more time in it, but um, we're getting there. It's a balancing act. And I think with everything else that you've talked about that you do, like you must be in incredibly high demand with all of that stuff as well. Because I know like as, as part of my coach certification program, we had to do um, a suicide prevention course. And I was like, well, I've done that because I did the two days of mental health first aid. But yes, yeah, so many more people. I'm, and I see it in um, some of the business emails and things I get from different business groups that they are offering courses in this sort of thing and webinars and this sort of thing a lot more now. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's great to see that we're starting to realise that it's an essential part of life, that not just our physical health but our mental health is really important. And in the business space and in the workspace, mm. we've suddenly realised, oh, that's where we spend our most time. So yeah. it makes sense that we have the skills to pick up on how people are doing. Yes, I have to. That was, I think, one of the biggest things I got from doing the, the two-day course with you because I think you said exactly that and that's something I had not even considered. It's like, that is so obvious. How do we not think of that? So, Tracy, what do you find or what have you found in your experience tend to be some of the biggest mental health challenges um, that women in business can find themselves coming up against? My experience with women in business is that they're incredibly um, driven uh, and they work extremely hard. But because we are women, we have been taught to perhaps put our needs last, mm. uh, take care of everyone else. Um, and I think that's changing with the next generation. I think we're a bit more conscious of that. But, um, yeah, I, I think one of our biggest challenges is not to burn ourselves out one, yep. and to know that that our work is just as important as our partner's work or whoever's uh, in the family and that we don't have to take on all of the roles anymore. Like we don't have to be the person who's the project manager of the house. You know, nobody, I remember I said to my family one day, nobody gave, nobody asked me did I want to take that role on. You guys just assumed that I was the project manager. <laughs> and yep. so I think, I think our biggest challenge in women in business is that sometimes because of patriarchy, we have to work 10 times harder than maybe, um, you know, someone else, a male who's white and um, has had advantages in the patriarchal system. So women push themselves and push themselves. And sometimes we push ourselves to the point of exhaustion and burnout and uh, yeah, I think the other big thing is that I've learned is that um, self-compassion is one of my biggest um, protective factors. And I think we're really hard on ourselves sometimes and to our own detriment. 
I think we think it's going to motivate us, you know, if we are hard on ourselves, but in the long term, it doesn't motivate us. Mm. So being self-compassionate is really, really important when you're trying to run a business because there's enough people who are going to try and, you know, tell you maybe that you're not doing so well. You don't need to add to that in the world. You need to, you know, you need to be someone who's going to light your own candle as well. I like that that analogy, light your own candle. You just said so much there that I'm like, yes, yes. Oh my God, yes. I'm just trying to work out where I want to go first. The comment that you made about being the project manager of our house, that really hit me um, because I, I realised that I, I got sick at the start of last year and in doing so, when I was like flat on my back in bed for almost three months, I suddenly yeah. realised that, you know, I was running a business and running a house and keeping the kids on track and keeping the dog mm-hmm. on track and paying the, like, I didn't actually realise until I had that and, you know, the health condition I'm going to openly admit was brought about by the first thing that you talked about work having to work so hard Mm. to you know just pushing myself so hard and pushing myself you know I don't think of it as burnout but it was my body going if you don't stop right now then you're going to be in even bigger trouble yeah but yeah just I never thought of the whole Thing that we we get signed up for these things that we don't realize we get signed up for and when we're taking the business as well it's like yeah that really is so much yeah that's it's huge and when you're running your own small business your your manager your admin your you there's so many roles within that that you're mm. doing your marketing your so you're wearing like 500 different hats in your own business and then probably in your personal life, you're up, you're wearing a whole bunch of different hats. But some of those hats we didn't sign up for. Some of them were just assigned to us and we mm. didn't even realise. Yeah, absolutely. Because we haven't had a conversation with our partners about it or our family about it and said, hold on a minute, I don't remember get signing up to this. Let's talk about this part. And it just becomes normal. And then you go, well, actually, I can't do that every night or every week or whatever. So I guess that brings up a really interesting idea then that maybe it's it would be a a good place to start as women, you know, building our own businesses that we do make a thing of sitting down and having that conversation because I for for me personally it was just a case of well I've just got to keep doing all these other roles yeah. like it was never a case of I can drop something. That's that's yeah. totally fine because I'm doing a business. Yeah, it was exactly. Just, and well, I've got to make sure I can do both, <laughs> keep both plates spinning just as fast. Yeah, or five of them spinning. One oh, on yeah. your head, one on your, you know, on your toes. So, yeah, exactly. And, and just taking, I think, sometimes a moment to step back and, like, I mapped out a few weeks ago all of the roles that I'm playing and I'm like, which ones can I drop? 
because sometimes you've got to stop doing something before you can start doing something. And mm. I wished I'd done that when I, before I started my business. I wish I'd sat down with my family and said, I'm about to start this business. This is what it will look like. Let's negotiate what happens around here. Let's look at what that means for my time. You know, and I think probably we don't do that. We don't have those hard conversations because they are hard conversations mm. <clears throat> sometimes. And I think I wished I'd done that beforehand rather than kind of uh, reacting, <laughs> you know, to my family going, nobody made me, who made me project manager, you know, yeah. in, a, in a fit, fit of, you know, hysterical um, sort of, um, you know, a bad reacting moment, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, if I could go back and do it again, I would have a round table and I'd sit down and go, well, this is what it looks like. Let's talk about this because I can't keep all those plates in the air. Um, what are we going to do here as a family or, or a group? What are, what are we going to lose? What are we going to gain? Yeah, and I think sometimes because we're passionate about what we want to do, we mm. kind of go headlong into it and we go, right, let's get started and, and sometimes that, that bit at the beginning where you have to have hard conversations with people about it doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So what other advice would you give um, on avoiding burnout? I don't know if I'm big on giving advice um, because What's I'm still learning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I have some suggestions. I don't know about advice. And I think what fits me might not fit you, so I, I would say to people, find what fits you. But um, I think drawing on my own experiences and other women that I've spoken to and people, that multiple people that I've seen burnout, um, is that most of the time it's seen by somebody else. So somebody is seeing that somebody is burning out. Um, but we don't have the vocabulary or we don't know how to say, hey, sit down, we need to talk about this you're heading in this direction and I'm really worried about you. I think in the workplace we struggle a little bit with that because mm. we think, oh, it's, we can't really go there with people. But I wish, you know, people had a sat me down and said, if you keep going down this road, the trajectory is you're going to end up here. So let's take a step back. Um, so I think that's the first point, that people do notice it. They just don't know how to ask or say, um, you know, Hold on a minute. Let's pause for a second. Um, so I think that's one of the things that I think helps. I think the other thing that helps is um, a, a really high level of self-awareness. So working on our self-awareness on a regular basis because, and I'm learning every day um, about my own self-awareness and it doesn't stop. Like just when you think you know yourself, you, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> So being really self-aware about what are the things in my body, what are the things in my mind, what are the things that I notice that start to, um, you know, not look so great when I'm heading down that road of stress and then maybe even poor mental health and mental illness. What are the sorts of things that I notice? For me, it's things like I'm the, the word overwhelm comes into my head yep. and I go, I feel overwhelmed. And I feel like I can't, the, the days and weeks and months are moving so fast that my coping strategies can't keep up with them. Mm -hmm. And so 
that's one of the, the things that I notice about myself. And also I start um, missing appointments. I start um, not being able to feel organised, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I also, for me, it's I isolate myself and I don't connect, which isn't a good thing to do. So I think um, for everyone it's different, but I think there's a real connection between mind and body and noticing you know, are my t- shoulders really tight and my neck really hurting because I'm, you know, really tense all day or I'm, I'm rushing from here to there, I'm not looking after my body. So I think it's a disconnect between our, our minds and our bodies that gives us a clue. I think the other things that you need to look out for are um, just whether or not our coping strategies are working for us anymore. So, you know, if your coping strategy is to go for a walk, are you walking and feeling like it's you're coming back refreshed or you're walking and your mind's going 100 miles an hour and you're thinking about, oh, I've got to get that, that, that proposal in, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Are you using that walk in a way that's going to work for you or is it actually creating more angst? So just mm-hmm. noticing that your coping strategies are slightly changing uh, you know, are you going for a whole bottle of wine instead of one glass of wine? You know, those types of things that sneak in and you go, oh, that's right. I think also we stop having hard conversations, whether that be with our manager or whether that be with our work, um, uh, the person that we collaborate with or, or our work um, partner. Mm-hmm. Um, we stop talking about the important stuff when we start getting into the weeds. And we start talking about, oh, gosh, I've got this and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And you start hearing the word busy a lot. And then we start wearing it like a badge of honour. Yes. So so I think um, that can happen as well. And we we stop, maybe we stop altogether having those, any conversations and just, we're just so busy we can't stop to talk. Mm. I think burnout, people talk about burnout like it's an end thing, but and it is. If it gets really bad, you end up with a mental illness mm. and you can't work or you're flat on your back with a chronic illness, um, you know, whatever it is. Um, but it actually builds up over a long period of time, usually. Yeah. And it's Because we're human beings, sometimes we take a while to cotton on to things because uh, our brain's really smart and it's really dumb. And sometimes yeah. <laughs> it takes a while to notice a pattern. Um but the more self-aware we can become of those patterns, the more we're able to get on top of it earlier and do something about it. So burnout tends to burn slowly over a period of time. And it's it starts off, you know, fairly like stress. Mm-hmm. And then it builds and it builds and it builds to the point where you can't do any more. And you go, oh, I just can't. I've got to stop. My body's telling me to stop. My mind's telling me to stop. I've got to take a step back because I have to. Hmm. You've mentioned coping strategies a few times. Can you just tell us like what exactly coping strategies are, like what, why we have them and maybe give some examples? Sure. Um, I'm a big believer in not judging too harshly about your coping strategies because sometimes your coping strategies, if you're in a really bad place, Uh, mentally, uh, sometimes those coping strategies, even if they are considered bad, um, and I'll put that in inverted commas, 
um, they might be keeping you alive. Mm. But for example, you might have an alcohol problem or a drug and alcohol problem um, as you perceive it. But sometimes that's what's kept you buoyant for a period of time. Now, I'm not saying that's a good term, long-term option. Yeah. It's probably not because it's not good for your body or your mind. But we've got to be a bit careful about judging people's coping strategies, I think. Um, so what I like to say is, are they effective for you? Are those coping strategies effective? Are they working for you? Because sometimes they start out working, like the, the glass of wine starts working for a period of time, but then it turns into two glasses and three glasses, and then it's not working for you anymore. Yeah. So you have to, so you have to kind of assess it and go, hmm, not sure that's the best coping strategy for me anymore. Yeah. So coping strategies keep us buoyant. They tend to keep, sometimes they can, they can keep us mentally healthy. So if we have coping strategies that are really, we find feed us and feed our soul and, and actually, you know, ignite us, um, they keep us buoyant, mentally buoyant, mm -hmm. you know, so we tend to stay, stay mentally healthy. Sometimes our coping strategies are survival tactics like alcohol, etc., because they keep us from falling completely over at that moment in time when we can't fall completely over. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, coping strategies are things that I do on a regular basis. So for me, it's about connecting with other people. So like um, just going for coffee with my friends is a coping strategy because mm -hmm. we get to catch up, we have coffee and cake and we, we just talk because you're not isolated anymore. You're talking to somebody, you're connecting. So that's a coping strategy for me. And the other coping strategy for me is just being mindful and doing a bit of mindfulness because it, I've got a really fast racing brain and it likes to jump into the future a lot. So for me, um, or on the opposite, it tends to ruminate on the past, which isn't always good. Mm -hmm. So for me, being in the present moment is a really good coping strategy, particularly when I'm talking, when I get that overwhelmed in my head where I'm starting to notice that word's coming up a bit. So I just go back to basics. I will do a little mindfulness exercise in the car on the way to work. Or I might take some time before I go to sleep at night just to do a quick you know, one-minute mindfulness exercise or on my work walk, like the other day when I was at the supermarket, noticing the eagles in the sky, um, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So mindfulness is really important to me. Um, connecting is really important to me. And doing something creative that gets me out of that workspace. Uh, I like spending time by myself. So sitting down and drawing or sitting down and doing something that, you know, when you're a kid and you get into that flow state mm. and you, you, you might have been colouring in on the floor or you might have been playing in a tree and hours have gone past. Just trying to do something like that to, to, to get me away from the work space so that I can get back into that really nice flow state where I feel content. Um, I also have poor, um, well, I also have, I don't like to call them poor, I also have ineffective coping strategies <laughs> and some of those are eating you know sugar a lot uh -huh. because I've learned that from a very young age now I know it doesn't work I know it's not good for me but it's also I have to acknowledge that it is one of my coping strategies and 
uh, I try not to do it too often, but I try also try not to judge myself if I do have that coping strategy. Mm. Yeah, I really like how you keep coming back to the the non-judgment because I think, because I guess that just adds more stress on top of whatever's <laughs> causing it as well. But also, like you said before, you know, having a bit of self-compassion for ourselves and, you know, I guess coping strategies really just are so we can cope and get through whatever's happening yeah. at the time. So, And yeah, if it's ineffective, you will eventually change it. Yeah. You will get to a point where you go, it's not working for me. So don't beat yourself up too bad around your coping strategies, you know. Particularly for people who have really bad um, mental illness, you know, they're, re- they're dealing with a mental illness and they're beating themselves up over the coping strategies. For some people who are really unwell, some of the coping strategies might be a distraction from thinking about all the thoughts in their head. Mm. So at that point in time, you know, until they can get in to see maybe a psychologist and work with the thoughts in the head, they've got to use those coping strategies to keep them buoyed enough to go to work. Mm. So I think, yeah, um, we all have coping strategies that aren't effective, but we've just got to remember that um, we're human and that eventually we will probably make a change with that coping strategy. But at the moment, it's, it's the best you've got. Yeah. Um, and Tracy, what kind of resources are available for people that find that they're starting to struggle with a bit of burnout in their business? Like what, what would you suggest people do if they realise or someone has had the conversation, like you said, with them that they seem to be starting to struggle or if, if they find that they're struggling with their coping strategies that they're not, um, being as effective anymore what what sort of resources um, are available or what what are some other strategies or things that you might suggest for somebody I think one of the best things that you can do is get yourself a coach <laughs> one because you can bounce things off them mm-hmm. uh, I I've been pretty lucky in my sector because I always have access to a psychologist mm-hmm. um, as just part of professional supervision so uh, most of the time although my guys retired now but um yeah so you know um if you if you do run a small business and you're by yourself finding a counsellor because a psychologist at the moment is tricky to find maybe because mm-hmm. there's, there's such waiting lists so finding someone who has a bit of a background in mental health that can help you navigate not just the business side of things but your mental health in business mm. I think is really important or having a group you know that meets regularly that kind of discusses that stuff I think is really important so they're their informal ones um, the formal type of approach or resources out there like there's so many resources out there now um, on websites etc but one of the ones you can use is that Lifeline started a 1-800 number in COVID. Mm-hmm. It's called a Tasmanian Lifeline and it's just for Tasmanians. Um, and it's run by people who are either training in or um, qualified in social work, psychology, um, all those types of mental health areas. Uh, and you can actually ring them if you're a small business and have a chat and say, hey, I'm really struggling this week. 
I'm feeling overwhelmed, this is what's happening. Like it, it doesn't have to be a really, um, you know, down the other end of the spectrum where people ring Lifeline a lot of the time when they're suicidal. Yeah. You could, this is specifically just if you're, if you're stressed or if you're um, experiencing some poor mental health, et cetera. And so that's a really good resource as well because you get to talk to someone who doesn't know you, who, who you can just go blur and say, look, I'm having this, blah, 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 and uh, have a good chat to them. And you can do that just to get it out of your head, mm. you know, because sometimes when it's all in your head, you can't think clearly, so sometimes doing that. So there's that option. Yeah. Um, there, there is some great books out there as well and great resources and, and podcasts, as you know. Um, and I find that a really good coping strategy too because often I'm hearing other people talk about the same stuff I'm dealing with and I'm going, oh, that's right, I'm not alone in this world, that there are other people out there who experience the same sort of stuff. So... So are there any podcasts that you recommend, any that you've heard in particular? Um, I listen to The Imperfects a bit. What was um, that one? The Imperfects mm -hmm. around mental health in particular. Yeah. Um, uh, I was listening to Brene Brown's latest one on Atlas of the Heart yesterday. Um just off the top of my head, there are a few out there, but I've got a shocking memory. So <laughs> I get that. That's so good. <laughs> Perimenopause is, you know, wreaking havoc on my memory. But um, yeah, so I'm sure there are, but I just can't think of them off the top of my head. There is also other websites out there that are really, really good as well. So, um, uh, you know, things like Head to Health, which is a business website for mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, that you've probably already heard of. Uh, the Lifeline website has a lot of really good stuff on it as well. Um, there's just so many out there. And sometimes just reading or understanding what you, what's happening for you on a website normalises it and you yeah. go, oh, okay, so I'm not going crazy. This is actually happens to others and it's actually a real thing and yeah so sometimes that can help but I think the most important thing for particularly women in business is that we connect with other women mm -hmm. and we don't isolate ourselves because it's so easy to isolate yourself if you're working in your own business in your own home uh, just having some people that you can connect with now not just people that you can connect with around your business but people that you know you can check in with and go, hey, I've had a rough week. Yes. So that, that sort of mental health connection Yeah. as well. And um, someone who's grounded and level-headed and can kind of talk you through when you're going, oh, my God, I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do and I'm just, yeah. So someone who's grounded and is good at that sort of stuff. Unfortunately for women in business, we don't have what's called an employee assistance program because we often can't afford no, them. No, true. <laughs> And businesses, big businesses have them, right, for their staff. Mm. But I do say find yourself a good, solid counsellor who can, you know, you can see maybe once every two months, even when you don't feel like you need to, just to, as a preventative measure, you know, to, to keep your mental health buoyant. That's... Because that if you're, if you're really like me, 
So I go to PT on a Wednesday night and I need my PT coach and the rest of the women there to make sure I turn up. Yeah. So sometimes having a mental health coach or someone who's who's good with your mental health, uh, it's about accountability for yourself. Because if we leave it up to ourselves, sometimes we push it to the side and we push it to the side. Mm, yes. But having a space where you concentrate on your mental health maybe once every two months is really important. Mm, I really like that suggestion. I think that's that's a great idea. And asking yourself every single day, how am I how am I going today? So just to check in as you're leaving the door, if you if you're leaving the house or you're sitting down at your computer, how am I how am I going today? And then maybe checking in at the end of the day as well. Because sometimes we go through our day and we don't just check in with ourselves and go, oh, oh, I actually started the day really bad, but I'm ending the day pretty good, you know, and just acknowledging that or the opposite way around. Yeah. So just checking in with ourselves around our own mental health. Mm. Yeah, I, li- I really like that suggestion too. I actually listened to a Marie Folio podcast. Well, it's probably about 12 months ago now. And she said something similar. I think it was... Um, she'd just say that she'd start asking herself at random times throughout the day, am I okay? And I I started doing that for a little while and it was really interesting, you know, because we don't ask ourselves things like that, but just to stop and go, am I okay? And a few times I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. And then I go, well, why? And, you know, then it all sort of come out and I could think about it and work through it. But had I not been prompted to ask that question, I just would have kept going with my busy day, you know, which I think is how I ended up heading towards burnout, everything built up because I wasn't stopping and taking that time and just going, am I okay? What's going on? How's it? So I think that's great advice. If you take nothing else from this episode, Mm -hmm. I think that's brilliant. Um, And have it as a screensaver or have it as something that pops up in your taskbar, mm. uh, you know, halfway through the day because we tend to forget. Well, I do because my memory's not great. <laughs> but um, we tend to forget that. And a really good example is I was working away on my business the other day and I was like, it got to about 2 o'clock and I was like, God, I'm feeling exhausted. And then I realised I hadn't even stopped for a toilet break or a drink. Like, and I was mm. like, You've got to actually look after your body. You can't just deny what your body's telling you. Yeah. So just checking in with your body as well and going, you know, go to the toilet, get a drink, take a break, go for a bit of a walk, get outside, get some vitamin D, you know. So just checking in with yourself about that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And they, they, it's not rocket science, right, this stuff. It's not rocket science. But what happens is life gets busy and we forget this really important fundamental stuff. The hard part is doing it. Yes, totally agree. Yeah, I, it, that's completely right. It's not rocket science, but we just don't think to do it. Yeah, yeah. So we need little prompters. We've covered a lot in this episode and I will include... Um, some of the podcasts and their websites that you've given me in the show notes. So if there's any others that you think of um, okay. after we finish, if you want to shoot those through. But is there 
anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Yeah, I think there's a really important message and that is that all of us have mental health, every one of us, just Mm -hmm. like we have physical health. Yeah. Um, So that means we can have poor mental health or good mental health, whatever, and that can fluctuate. For me, um, when I got, I I got really sick with mental illness um, after my second baby. Um, I think I probably was always... um, predisposed to anxiety Mm -hmm. but the anxiety and the depression came around really hard after I had the first baby second baby sorry and I got so sick that I couldn't look after myself and I got so sick that I thought I was worthless and I got so sick that I thought perhaps I didn't couldn't be here on this earth Mm -hmm. and if it wasn't for the fact that I had supporting some support around me some education about what was actually happening to me you know, because I thought I was going crazy, which I actually wasn't. Um, And the fact that um, I had mental health professionals help me, um, I think, you know, that that stuff, that protective stuff that you've got around you to prevent yourself getting really sick that we've talked about is really, really important. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time, but I now know that that the little stuff that I do on a day-to-day basis keeps me buoyant and keeps Mm. me healthy. So the one thing I want to say is that uh, let's let's stop being having a stigma around mental illness because one in five people have been been diagnosed with a mental illness in Australia. That's a lot of us. And the more that we talk about it, and often in my trainings we'll talk about sometimes, you know, my, my own mental illness, or not my own mental illness, the mental illness that comes around because I don't attach it to who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important for people to come out and start to talk about that stuff because it normalizes things for people who are suffering and now I've gotten so good at managing these anxiety that comes around and the, the depression that comes around that I don't even notice it's there half the time so um, you get good at managing it um, and I want people to know out there if they are going through a really rough time that um, with some support, with some help and with some, um, you know, education around what's happening to you, there are better days ahead and that you will be okay. So just try and ride out this rough time because um, it's recoverable, it's, it's, it's not forever and it's pretty normal if you've experienced something horrible you're responding in a really normal way so I just want people to know that one there is hope and two don't feel ashamed if you've been diagnosed with a mental illness some of the most amazing people in the world have mental illnesses Mm. you know so don't be don't be ashamed reach out for help but also if you're working with someone or you're close to someone, don't be afraid to ask them how they're going as well. Yes. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Tracy. That's all right. Like, you know, it's like you say, we, it, it does affect so many people and, you know, yeah. I've had my own periods of poor mental health over the years. But, yeah, I think normalising it, I 
that's really important. Yeah, and also just um, something that a lot of people don't know that I didn't realise coming into perimenopause as well, that it sometimes can rear its head again. Oh. And I think, so I think just be on, on alert for that and aware of that and don't think that menopause, um, you know, that you have to put up with it, that uh, it will get better if you if you take some steps to kind of manage it and deal with it and also um, get some su support around you. Um, because it does. Now, it does tend to rear its head again in menopause because of the hormonal fluctuations as well. Mm. So in, in the lead up to my, um, oh, I don't know if I think I can call it a period anymore because it only lasts a few days, but um, the, the spasmodic bleeding, <laughs> um, <laughs> as you lead up to that, uh, I know for myself, anxiety and depression can come around in that seven days in the lead yeah. up to it. And I've spoken to a lot of women where that happens. Uh, and sometimes we're pushed back into that hole and we go, oh, God, we're back here again. You're not. It's just that it's coming around at that time because your hormone levels are really dropping as well. Mm. So just be aware of that as well. And um, Really good to know. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Because I'm pretty passionate about perimenopause because I just think um, we probably don't talk about it that much. So I talk about it a lot now. <laughs> I put it out there. Oh, that we'll, we'll have to have another conversation on that one. <laughs> yeah. So but just know you'll be okay. It, it, look, if you if you reach out for help, if you if you acknowledge that it's it's not you as a person, it's just something that comes around. The anxiety attaches itself to you. The depression attaches itself to you. Um, it will get better. Yes, that is great language to use. I really like that. Mm. So Tracy, tell us where can our listeners find you and learn more about your retreats for those living in Tasmania or for those who would like to travel to Tasmania? <laughs> um, yeah, so um, mcleod9mentoring.com.au is my website. Uh, and there's lots of pictures and um, information on there about the retreats that we've run. Cool. And what you're on social media as well? Yeah, so I run a little Instagram page where I do a gratitude post every day. Oh, not every day, every time I get a moment because I don't put pressure on myself to do it every day. Yes. Uh, and I draw a little cartoon with it. Um, so I try and do gratitude through that channel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook as well and LinkedIn. Fantastic. And I'll have all of those links in the show notes. So if anyone wants to find you, they can. Sure. Thank you so much for your time today. I've right. made so many notes on what you've said and I think you've made so many good points and just given so much good advice. Yeah. And don't forget your vitamin D going into winter. Tasmania. Yes. <laughs> That'll help your mental health and your brain. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tracy. All right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time, take care and drink responsibly.